Get fast, reliable speeds at home and on the go with internet and mobile from Xfinity. Switch to Xfinity Internet with unlimited data included so you can do more of what you love online. There's no annual contract required, so it's risk-free, and it comes with a two-year internet rate guarantee. Plus, when you add Xfinity Mobile, you'll get connected to the fastest mobile service, and you'll get major savings. Go to Xfinity.com faster, call 1-800-XFINITY, or visit a store to learn more. Restrictions apply. Welcome to another episode of Office Chats with Madam Blue. Today's guest is Ju Ru. She's the co-founder and CEO of Hero Cosmetics. Hero Cosmetics was launched in 2017 with one product, the Mighty Patch, as a test on Amazon. Today, Hero Cosmetics sells a box of Mighty Patch every 30 seconds through channels like Amazon, Target, Neiman Marcus, Urban Outfitters, Anthropology, and more. Ju was named to the Inc. Magazine 2019 Female Founders 100 list and is a graduate of Brown University and Columbia Business School. Today we'll be discussing how she got started in the skincare industry, how she plans to grow the company, and the best career advice she's ever received. Hi Ju, nice to virtually meet you. Thank you for joining me today. Yeah, you too. Where do you Where are you calling from? Um, so I'm in Texas. Oh right, got yes. it. Yes, and you said you're in got Paris. It. Yeah, I live in Paris. Um, I moved here in 2018. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I, normally I travel to New York once a month. Okay. And where are you originally from? I uh, was born in Korea. I'm Korean American. I moved to the U.S. when I was three. So to New I'm York? More, well, I moved to Seattle. Okay. Yeah, I grew up in Seattle and then I moved to the East Coast and I spent like 10 years in New York. So more of a New Yorker than anything? Or do you feel more like yeah. at home at Paris now? I really like Paris, but there are definitely some conveniences I miss about the U.S. for sure. Well, about New York, yeah. for sure. And how are, how is everything in Paris right now with, you know, everything that's going COVID. on? Yeah. It's actually... So we've been open since May 11th, so we're going on our third week. Uh, and the good news is that there's no spike and cases and cases and all the numbers still continue to go down. And then I think the government, they're like really happy with uh, how things are progressing. So they today announced uh, phase two of reopening. And so they're going to start letting, not in Paris yet, but some other areas, uh, restaurants and bars will be opening. And then they're going to open the parks and gardens. Uh, I think I think high school, high schoolers are going to let them go back to school. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, so, like, slowly they're kind of... Easing back into... Them. Yeah. 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 And I know Texas, you guys opened up, like, a little bit before us. Yes. Yeah, I've been trying not to go out still just because I'm, like, I don't know how I feel about yeah. um, everything. But, yeah, restaurants are open, like, at capacity. We'll just have to wait and yeah. see. Hopefully the, num- the numbers don't go up with, you know, yeah. everything opening. And you just gra- you graduated from undergrad, or yes, yes, I graduated oh, okay. um, with my bachelor's from Texas A and M. Oh, cool! Congrats! Yeah, thank and you. And so, and how did you start, like the blog and the podcast? And so I started Madam Blue um, my freshman year of college. I was just um, I had competed in journalism throughout high school, and I really enjoyed that. So when I went to college, I just missed writing, and I've always been very interested in like fashion and travel and all sorts of things. Mm-hmm. So I just started writing articles on my own little blog and then kind of grew a following just naturally. And 
from those followers, I sort of opened the platform up to all contributors who would be interested in joining because I didn't have as much time to be producing content daily with school and work. So it kind of just grew from there. Now we're a team of 25 plus women like all over the world. So it's been really fun. Yeah. Yeah. And the podcast we just launched um, last summer. Oh, cool. Yes. I love, I love podcasts. I, I listen to a bunch and I think it's just like a fun medium. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, it's been fun and I'm thankful that you were um, down to be on today. So I appreciate it. Yeah. And how did you hear about me and your, your brand? Cosmetics? So I, I'm familiar with um, the acne patches actually, Got it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but I never, you know, I didn't know the face behind the brand or anything like that. And then I saw mm-hmm. your feature on, um, where lively they did a feature on you uh-huh, yeah and yeah. i read your feature on there and i was like she would be really fun to interview so i just went ahead and you. <laughs> that's cool yeah well i think it's cool that you do the podcast and who does all the editing you do the editing yes. and everything i do the editing oh, wow. um i still write and then mm-hmm. i edit the articles of all the contributors and you know do our social media and all of that so it's been fun awesome. just to get started learning more about you I'd love to know um you kind of touched on your background you know being from Seattle then New York but I would love to know like what you studied and how you started getting those small footsteps into the skincare industry sure and is it recording yes or oh yes how do you record by the way um on my laptop I have like a audio recorder so it's very simple and I just have this mic here that plugs into my laptop oh cool and you can hear me okay yes Thank you. Okay. Yes, skincare for me was kind of random, I guess. Growing up, I was never really like a skincare junkie, but it wasn't until... um, So yeah, I'm Korean-American. I grew up in Seattle. uh, And in my professional career, I had an opportunity to go work in Korea uh, in Seoul uh, as an expat for Samsung. And this was 2012 when K-Beauty was sort of becoming a thing and mm-hmm. on the rise. So when I was living in Korea is when I really discovered this whole world of Kate, like, well, to them, it's not Kate beauty, but, uh, just, you know, all of these like different beauty products and skincare products and people like really, you know, upkeep their skin. And then that's where like I was breaking out and that's where I discovered the concept of double cleansing and I decided to try it. So I bought this like vanilla code, you know, double like solid double cleanser, and then when I started using it, my skin just transformed. It became a lot clearer. I think because I was, you know, like I actually had clean skin <laughs> for the first time probably in my life. And then I started getting really interested in this concept of K beauty, and uh, I was doing research, and I realized that there were some companies starting up. So there was like Soko Glam, Peach and Lily. And then I actually ended up working at Peach and Lily after my expat stint in Korea. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of when I really got into the world of skincare and beauty. That's where I, you know, I learned about all the different products and all the different steps. And I learned about all the ingredients. And then, and you know, I had had this idea for uh, Mighty Patch and I decided to start it with two co-founders. So yeah, so it was kind of, for me, more random. It wasn't... It wasn't like, oh, I really want to get into skincare, and um, it wasn't like a goal that I necessarily wanted to pursue, but it just sort of worked out yeah. that way. I think you could probably testify to this, that the skincare industry is probably one of the most competitive to go into. How did you have like the confidence to just be like, okay, I'm going to start my own brand in this super diverse cutthroat industry? 
Well, we started really small, so um, it is really competitive because uh, I think the barriers of entry are low, and every day there's a new brand that pops up. And so for us, we launched with one product, and we launched it on Amazon just to prove out product market fit. And I think that was a really good way to minimize uh, the risk. So mm-hmm. it was sort of, you know, we had an idea, let's give it a shot. Um, I still had a corporate job at the time, so kind of started it as like a side hustle, kind of like a hobby. And I think that was a way, like we started kind of small and started slowly. And then it, it, I mean, obviously it picked up really quickly after that. But I always tell people, I recommend like, you know, if you have an idea to start and just to start small, like make a prototype, uh, sell it to, you know, 100 people, 10 people, see if there there's anyone that wants to buy it. And keep your day job in the meantime. Keep your day job <laughs> if you can. I yeah. think that, yeah, that helps a lot for sure. So when did you make the jump? to leaving your corporate job and doing Hero Cosmetics full-time? So we started, we launched our product September 2017. I think I started, I moved because of my husband, my now husband, in February of 2018. And then I started taking a salary soon after, like March or April of 2018. And I knew, I felt more comfortable making that jump. And I made that jump partly because of personal reasons, but also because I knew that I would be getting paid from Hero Cosmetics. Like I was going to start taking a salary. And so that yeah, made leaving a corporate job, yeah, a lot, a lot easier to swallow. But I mean, in the beginning, like the salary wasn't very much. So, you know, the, definitely in the first few years, was, you have to be, you have to think about yeah, the financial, mm-hmm. financial impact for sure. And how big is your team now? We're 13. Okay. Actually, 14. Well, we just hired someone, so now I think we're now 14. So still relatively small. Mm-hmm. You sell primarily online, but you're also in Target now? Amazon? Yeah, we're on Amazon, uh, Name and Market, Scoop, Anthropology, Urban Outfitters, mm-hmm. Thrive Market. Yeah, so we're in a lot of specialty retail. We're online, we're offline. Yeah, we have kind of we have an omni-channel distribution yeah. strategy. That's exciting. When did that first retail distribution happen, and what was that feeling like to see your product like in a store? Yeah. Let's, okay, so we launched our product on Amazon September 2017. I started pitching retailers basically right after. And then I think it was in October or November, but the buyer at Anthropology emailed me back and said, hey, I want to try your products. Um, Sent her some samples. She wanted to try us in 80 stores as a test. They have 200. So 80 out of 200 stores, she wanted to give us a shot and see how it would turn out. So we launched in January of 2018 in 80 Anthropology stores. And then within a week, um, the sell-through was so strong that the buyer emailed me. And she said, oh, um, your sales are really strong, so I want to launch you nationally in all 200 stores. So then, I don't know, by like February or something, we were in all 200 anthropology stores. Uh, and then after that, it just I think we got a lot of PR. And so we um, started getting a fair number of inbound requests from our uh, for our products. So I think like me and Marcus emailed me. They're like, oh, we're really interested in your product. And um I don't know. There are a few others that started emailing us asking if they could carry our product rather than like me having to pitch. Mm-hmm. So that was pretty cool. Must have been super rewarding as well to feel like your hard work. Oh, yeah. Off. And yeah, I remember like when I first saw our product at Anthropology, I was still working my corporate job and I like snuck out and I went to the closest Anthropology near me. And um, I asked the salesperson for it and then she guided me downstairs. So I went downstairs and 
And I was like taking, I was doing like Instagram stories and taking photos because I had to memorialize that day, you know, the yeah. first day of uh, seeing my product in store, which I was very proud of. And then after that, like every time like my family was in town or uh, when my now husband was in town or whatever, like, you know, it was like, oh, let's go to Anthropology. Let's Come like, see my product. Let's get our product in yeah. store. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. And I feel like the popularity of your product in particular, the acne patches, is because it's such a simple concept, but it's so effective. Mm -hmm. You don't have to buy a whole thing of night cream and see if this acne cream will work. It's just like a little spot treatment. There's less science behind it. Yeah, I think people, I agree. I think people like it because um, you can visibly see it working. So the way that our hydrocolic acne patches work is it sucks out the pus. When you take it off, you can see the pus on the patch. Like, it's just great visual feedback that the product that you bought is working. And so I think that helps a lot. um, Also, like, I've worn them throughout the day. They're not really visible. And then it stops you from, like, picking at it because there's something to cover it. Yes. That's a huge... Yeah, and picking, touching and picking is, like, such a cardinal sin, but I, like, touch my face all the time. And, yeah, like, that, I think, alone is huge because... It touching is. and picking, you can spread it. Um, you can spread the bacteria to other parts of your face. Mm-hmm. Very helpful product. You don't only sell the acne patches, though, correct? Yeah, we just launched um, our first non-patch product called Rescue Mom. Um, and so we launched that in April. It's now become our second bestseller, which is amazing. And that's like a restorative cream. It's kind of like our version of Neosporin. Okay. And it came it came up because when I, w- I was talking and surveying a lot of people, like, oh, what do you use for acne care? And a lot of people told me they use Neosporin because it's antibacterial and it, it helps heal wounds. Mm-hmm. And, and then I started wondering, like, oh, why do they use that? Why don't we create something that's better for them? Uh, that's not made with mineral oil and that's, you know, uh, that won't clog pores. Um, so that's kind of how the idea yeah. of Rescue Bomb came out. I imagine that would be really great for, like, if you had, like, let's say you had been picking at something, then you can kind of put that on top to heal the damage yeah, you did. exactly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Although you have a small range, like, it's more of a niche brand, I would say. How do you set yourself apart from other competitors in your industry? Yeah, I mean, we are all about acne care. So all our products are going to be what we say is for the life cycle uh, of people. So, like, before, during, and after. Uh, I think our customer demo is a little bit different. We, uh, our core customer is female 25 to 35. I think there are some brands that are more prestige out there. There are some brands that target more Gen Z. Like the biggest differentiation I will say, at least in terms of our patches, is we definitely make the highest quality hydrocolloid patch. Um, and we've done like absorption tests and things like that that show that Mighty Patch actually absorbs a lot more than competitors. So quality difference, I think, demographic difference, definitely pricing, distribution strategy difference as well. When you first started the company, did you already have your target audience in mind or was it just like, this is the product, let's see which demographic is going to purchase it? It wasn't as clear. It was more sort of the latter where... We wanted to put it out there and see who would buy it. But um, we actually, uh, we made it purposely sort of gender neutral. So it wasn't going to be girly or like glossy pink or anything like that. We wanted it to be pretty gender neutral. But uh, even still, 
you know, 75% of our customers are women. And I think maybe we thought it would have been closer to 50-50, but I think guys, maybe they just, they don't care as much. Or yeah, they, so they freak haven't out thought less, about maybe. it. <laughs> but it does yeah. come across because um, you did mention like the glossy pink, a lot of acne products and skincare products in general are like hyper-targeted towards women and yours definitely comes off as just like, this is mm-hmm. a scientifically based product. Like it's not for a woman yeah. or a man, it's just for acne. Yeah. I'm glad you think so because yeah yeah, that was definitely something we thought about in the beginning is how to appeal to both men and women because you know we always say acne doesn't discriminate and um, all ages get it men and women get it and it comes across on the website and social media as well I think good yeah Yeah. because we try to profile uh, like uh, you know diversity on our on all our channels so guys, girls, like racial diversity, etc. Mm-hmm. Speaking of your website, I thought one thing that was really cool is you all feature a skin school, which has resources from skincare experts, but also just conversations about like sort of breaking the stigma around acne and building your self-confidence. So can you tell us a little bit about that and why that's important at Hero Cosmetics? Yeah, I mean, education for us is really important. So, I mean, initially it started out just educating about what Mighty Patch was and is because it was kind of, it was basically a new product category and no one really knew what it was. So uh, really started out with posts about like, what is hydrocolloid? How does it work? Uh, addressing all your frequently asked questions. Um you know, what's the history of hydrocolloid and things like that. And then as it's evolved, like we really wanted to be a source of education where we help educate on anything around like skincare and acne, like does chocolate cause acne? Like does milk cause acne? Or what's the association between your gut biome and your skin health? And so the education part is always like a big, important strategy of ours. Mm -hmm. You know, you can spend hours searching all these different myths or, you know, facts and not really knowing, like, is this relevant? Is it correct? So to have all those sources on your website is pretty convenient. I would like to know what a typical day is like for you, if there is one, as your role as CEO. That's a good question. Also, because I live in Paris and there's a six hour difference between myself and my team who's based in New York, that also makes it not a very normal schedule. But mm-hmm. usually like so I wake up, I eat breakfast and then in the morning, that's when I catch up on all my emails because usually when I go to sleep around 11 it's still six hours earlier, so it's like 5 p.m. I will have missed like a bunch of emails during that time, like when I'm in bed. So when I wake up in the morning, I'm usually eating breakfast and I'm catching up on all my emails, Slack, mess- Slack messages, like stuff on Instagram. So usually between yeah breakfast time and like mid-morning, I'm just like pounding away, kind of catching up. And then uh, around lunchtime, I'm usually like prepping things for dinner maybe, or uh, that's when I'll like work out or run errands if I need to, um, prep my lunch, I eat lunch. And then I'm always like on at 3 p.m. my time, which is 9 a.m. Eastern time. That's when like my day starts because I'm like on the phone, taking calls, doing Zoom meetings um, until around 8 and then usually cooking dinner. And then we have dinner. We kind of late. So uh, <laughs> usually we're eating at like 8.30 or 9. That's kind of my day, which is a little bit different, but um, I make it work. Yeah. How has COVID impacted your business? Well, you know, there was sort of like the eye of the storm, which was, I think, March, uh, when all the shelter-in-place orders were happening. And, you know, I think there was a lot of fear out there. 
Um, so some of our channels were affected. Um, I mean, I, I had mentioned we're in a lot of retailers. So stores like Anthropology, Urban Outfitters, and Neiman Marcus, they were all shut down. So we lost some revenue there. But thankfully, um, we're also in, you know, essential retailers. So uh, that was good for us in the business because we were still able to grow, actually. And then, we, you know, we went through exercise of, like, making sure we had cash in the bank, uh, going through all our expenses to see where we could cut, where we could save, you know, how can we ensure we're going to have enough cash to get through the next, like, few months. Um, and then, you know, being in France, we had pretty stringent lockdown guidances so like I literally could not leave my apartment between the hours of 10 and 7 uh, and then even before 10 and after 7 we were only allowed outside for one hour with a piece of paper that you sign saying why you're outside so was there actually people uh, checking yes well, there were there were like on occasion there'd be like police officers around mm -hmm. and then they would stop I, I was stopped like three times like oh can i see your attestation that's what it's called mm -hmm. and then they like read it and they check it and if you don't have it um you're fined like 130 euros mm -hmm. so so anyways i say that because i think there's like a little bit of uh mental stress on all of us you know For like sure. oh the world is like crumbling and you know this COVID nineteen disease is just ravaging like the world and what was me and what was us and I think um, mentally it was a little bit tough but but like you know we've done things for the team like um, my co founder he sent ice cream packages to everybody that's to awesome like, up. and um, we just gave everyone a thousand dollar stipend to like set up their home office because it looks like we're going to be working from home for a little bit longer. You know, yeah, so we've done things like that. Yeah, but. and do you feel like it'll change in any ways even after the pandemic? Like, I know a lot of companies are realizing, hey, we don't even need a lot of these people in the office. Do you see that happening for any of your employees at all, or is it still kind of, like, to be determined? I mean, I think for us, the office will still be important as long as people can get there and they feel safe getting there. Um, actually, like, we surveyed our our team and um, a lot of them want to go back to the office like and me too like I can't wait to go to New York like I feel like I've been cooped up uh, for so long that I'm I'm excited to go to the office um, and I think the office is still important like you know it's harder to make friends over zoom and it's easier when you're like at the office to chatting over the water cooler yeah. or something so I still think the office has an important role I mean maybe you know we've always had a very flexible working uh working from home policy but before it was like go to the office work from home optional but i think at least until we find a vaccine for us it'll be work from home go to the office optional mm -hmm. uh, so we're kind of flip it but i think for us we'll ease slowly ease back into probably most everybody being at the office and so to keep the work from home optional yeah. policy that we had I'm sure everyone will be happy to get out of the house by yeah, that point. Yeah, I think people, yeah, people are so eager to just be around people. You yeah, know? and you can't really be, like, the same creative collaboration that happens in an office, like, where everyone's physically together. It's just, like, not mm -hmm. really the same. I agree, yeah. So what would you say, just overall, it's kind of a general question, but you can get specific if you want to. What do you think is the most challenging aspect of your job and what is your favorite aspect? 
Okay, my favorite aspect is um, just all the people I get to meet, like people like yourself, and I've met like uh, other founders of brands that we all know and love, and I've just had like amazing opportunities. Like I went on a press trip with Marie Claire, and it was like just a once in a lifetime type of experience. Uh, I did like a mentoring program for Inc. Magazine with Jamie Schmidt, who's a founder of Schmidt. And so just like the people that I've met have been amazing and the opportunities that we've had and I've had have been like unforgettable, uh, a lot of them. And then challenging part, I think, is just like, I guess, always learning and trying to figure out the answer when you don't know it. And then also being, you know, basically first time founder, CEO, trying to like grow into that role as well, because, you know, it's my first time doing it. And sometimes I Google like, what does the CEO do? <laughs> you know, Delegate. Um, yeah. So um, I think the biggest challenge is just like trying to figure it out on the fly when uh, sometimes I don't always know the answer. Yeah. And that's very refreshing to hear because a lot of times you know in your head you think of a ceo sort of like an unattainable yes it's just cool to see that like everyone starts from somewhere and you can build something even if you don't necessarily have like a laid out plan for if you don't have like all the experience that you need um yeah which kind of leads me into my next question which was did you have a mentor who kind of like helped you throughout this journey who maybe had some experience in the industry or just as an entrepreneur in general? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I definitely I have a lot. I have peer mentors and sort of like traditional mentors. So on the peer mentor side, like I, I befriended a ton of fellow founders because we're all kind of going through the same thing at the same time. And they've just been an amazing resource for like, oh, hey, I, um, anyone know someone who can, who does like package design or hey, um, I ran into this problem with this retailer. Like, what would you do? Um, so they've been really helpful. Um, and then, you know, I ha- there are like founders who are much further along in their businesses who I look to as mentors. So, um, uh, I mean, two, one is J- uh, Jamie Schmidt, who I'd mentioned. She is a founder of Schmidt's. Uh, they, it's like natural uh, body care. They're known for their deodorant and they sold to Unilever. So, She's been so helpful just, um, you know, just answering a lot of questions around like retail and distribution and like what to do about competition and things like that. And then, um, and Chris Birchby, who's the founder of a sun care brand called Kula. Um, he also is just like, has a wealth of knowledge and information and has been so helpful just like with, yeah, uh, all the questions that I have. So those are definitely two people um, who have, kind of served that traditional mentor role for me and how did you meet them okay so jamie um i met because so she sold her company and then she started a she started a fund that invests in consumer businesses and entrepreneurs and then and i pitched her because we were thinking about raising money so i just sent her a cold email and i was like hey this is my company and we're thinking about raising money this is our deck and so we that's how we got connected. And then um, when Inc. Magazine had this opportunity for her to do like a mentoring thing, um, she picked me, which was such a great honor. And then it was uh, a really great session that we had. And then Chris from Kula, I met him through a strategic advisor that we hired 
and so yeah it just goes to show you like networking yeah pitching um all of that can really it builds relationships yeah the worst that can happen is someone doesn't respond or just tells you no. Yeah, so. yeah, and then the best that can happen is you wind up with a, a great mentor. Exactly. So, uh, so, aside from growing into different retailers, what are just a few of the ways that you've been able to scale your brand? I mean, we uh, are trying to grow our audience on all our channels, so things like email and social. So we've been growing nicely there. Um, obviously, you know, yeah, retail is a really important uh, strategy for us in terms of expanding our reach. And then, you know, we're just trying to spend more on marketing, like the right marketing channels to attract different people, reach different demographics, um, and just really get our brand name out there. Um, and so we've been spending more on marketing uh, to do that. The marketing that you're doing is that um, internally, like, do you have people on your team to do that or do you outsource yeah no we have we have people on our team who do it yeah we have people on our team that um run paid ads and things like that and then we have people who source like brand partnerships and um so we have a pretty we have a pretty strong marketing team awesome and then um looking more long term what are some goals that you see for hero cosmetics and where do you see it in the coming years yeah, I think uh, first I want to expand out our SKU count. Um, I, I want to launch a ton of new products um, this year for sure and in the years to come. Uh, I want to expand our retail footprint. So I want to continue to, I mean, the goal is really just to make our products available to anyone who needs them. So wherever you buy, whether you buy on Amazon, whether you buy at Neiman Marcus, like we want um we want people to be able to easily access our acne care products. Maybe eventually we go international. So, you know, I still get, I get inbound emails from people from different countries who are like, oh, I want to sell your, you know, I want to sell your products in Japan or in China. And we're just not ready for that yet. But someday I would love to reach international markets for sure. Just a matter of time. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it takes, it definitely takes a lot of work to get that set up. But, mm-hmm. yeah, and um, in terms of the new products, is that stuff that you already have, like, in the works? Like, you already know which products yeah. you and but you can't say yeah, that? Yeah, um, We are working on a lot of stuff for the back half of this year. We're launching something in June. Uh, and, and, yeah, I mean, the goal is, we're you know, we're going to make products for the entire life cycle of your people. Okay, so we'll have to keep keep our eyes peeled for whatever comes next yeah yeah i mean follow us on all our social mm. channels and stuff and and you'll be in the know yeah and um where did the name come from like how did you decide hero cosmetics yeah, yeah i mean for me because we're making an acne product um i really wanted the positioning and the brand name and the product name to feel like confident and evoke emotion because um you know the other acne patches that were out there it it was called like you know x brand uh acne absorbing pimple patch or it just like wasn't none of the names out there were very like inspiring or very mm, emotional to me and i think acne can be an emotional topic so i really wanted a name that would evoke Confidence in our product, confidence in our brand, 
that's sort of where like mighty patch came up came up like it's strong you know it'll help you Mm -hmm. it'll be your solution in this time of like pimple crisis and then hero cosmetics was also really nice because because the, the product is a hero like it helps you in your time of need and so that's sort of how we came up yeah Definitely. And I think once you find something that finally works for you, you feel like that. Your hero. Kind of, yes, it changed yeah. everything. So that's a yeah, name, yeah. wise name. Okay, and then just to wrap it up, I have a few sort of like rapid fire questions that are skincare related. So the first okay. one is, um, besides your own Kiro Cosmetics product, what is one like holy grail skincare product that you use it could be anything uh well my double cleanse i mean my oil cleanser mm-hmm. i use the shu Emara oil cleanser and that's like my yeah i mean i think for me like the double cleanse has been really key for my skincare so for me it's all i always have to have an oil cleanser and so do, oil do cleanser. you double cleanse like morning and night only at night okay when i'm wearing makeup and stuff mm-hmm. or yeah also just to like more thoroughly wash my face yeah. so uh, i do it at night and then Simple skincare or lengthy skincare? Hmm, I'm kind of more in the middle. So I do the double cleanse. So that's two products. Then I have a toner. Then I'm usually using some kind of serum. And then I have an oil. And then I have a moisturizer. <laughs> I think that's the morning, lengthy. <laughs> and then in the morning I have a sunscreen. So oh, is that lengthy? Okay, yes, that's, that's lengthy. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever works. Whatever works yeah. is what you have to do. So. Okay, and then what is the best skincare advice you ever got and the best career advice you ever got? Skincare advice, I would say, um, I think, uh, like, rep- like, repetition is your friend. So you don't have to spend $100 for a really good cream, like, that you're only going to, you know, apply sparingly once a week or something like that because it's so expensive. It's better to buy something more affordable and, like, use it every day. So, um, for example, even with sheet masks, when that was a um, kind of a trend, I remember, um, you know, there were, like, sheet masks that were, like, $30 from, I don't know, Chanel or whatever brand. But actually, it's better to spend $2 on a sheet mask and buy, you know, uh, 15 of them and then use them for 15 days straight, you'll get more out of it. So that's, so that's one of advice. Um, and then career advice. Uh, I remember I have a manager who told me, if you want to get promoted, you should, you should, you should act like the job that you want. So if, for example, you are an associate and you want to become a manager and you want to start managing teams, like act like a manager, dress like a manager. If you're, you know, I don't know, SVP and you want to become a CMO, CEO or CMO, like act like that role um, and show them that you can do it. And and I think that, I think that was uh, yeah. that was great advice. That is good advice. And what about your own advice that you've you know gathered throughout your tenure as CEO? Like, what have you learned that would help other people who kind of want to be in your shoes one day? Um, I think in terms of skills, um, know how to sell. So, um, know how to write like a really good pitch email and don't be afraid to cold pitch anyone. Like, you know, kind of like how I cold pitch Jamie and like now we, you know, or like, how I cold pitch you. Sort of, 
Yeah, you cold pitch me. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I mean, you just never know what happens. And so I think the art of the cold pitch and then being able to write a a good like pitch email is really um, useful just in life. Uh, And then the other thing is like never take no as a no, take no as a not yet. Because um, even, you know, in this, in my job, like I get, I, I, I got a lot of no's in the beginning and even now I still get no's, but uh, and it can be disheartening, like, you know, it can be like, oh, man, like, why, why are they telling me no? But I just remember, okay, it's not a no, it's not yet. And and it's true because people who have told me no in the beginning, um, after, like, some time has passed, uh, they have come back to me and said, okay, like, now we're ready for you or now we want to work with you or whatnot. So, so yeah, you know, you probably, you know, I think you'll people will hear a lot of no's, but uh, – just think of it as a not yet. Definitely. It's just a matter of like patience and seeing if you're willing to put in the work, you know, to reap the rewards whenever yeah. they come. So that's yeah, good advice. Yeah, exactly. Okay. And then finally, I would love for you to let everybody know where they can find you on social media, your website, all of that. Yeah. So our website is herocosmetics.com. And then socials here. I mean, you can find us all over social and it'll be Hero Cosmetics. Um, my personal social is just my name. So Juru uh, on Twitter and Instagram and yeah, that's where you can find it. And I'll put all that in the description as well. Cool. Okay. Thank you so much. I had a great time. Cool. Thank you. That was fun. Bye. Bye. Have a great day. You too. Thank you to Ju for being on the podcast today. Thank you to everyone listening and I hope you join us in our next Office Chats episode. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner.